Now, we all know that Martin can metabolise a pint in five minutes, but I bet even he wouldn't turn his nose up at getting free beer delivered to his door. Yes, our friends at Beer 52 are offering our listeners a free case of eight unique craft beers. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF and cover the postage of $5.95. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Even Big Mandy is welcome, but not Colin. He's an utter bozo. Each month, members are sent a crate of beer with different themes. Don't like dark beer? Then choose the light option. Comes with a magazine and two snacks, BLT and crumpets not included. Don't be a cockwomble. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF to get this amazing offer. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF. fuckers and welcome to another episode of wtaf of this country podcast now first i just found him outside the studio tucking into a box of cornflakes he got from the food bank i uh, had to let him in as he's nowhere else to go it's neil hello right? <laughs> yeah, yes yeah and the beard's coming along nicely you're, you're looking more and more like len every day oh uh, really <laughs> yeah. just getting longer and longer yeah it's looking good well, there you go. Thank yeah. you very much. Well, that's all right. Uh, even though I've got cornflakes in there. Yeah, you have got cornflakes in there. And they've been in their days. Indeed. Now, our guest this episode is one of the newcomers to the cast for the Aftermath special. Although she was mentioned in the very first episode of the first series, she plays the Big Dipper-loving partner or ex-partner of Martin Mucklow. It's Sandra Pranty herself, Holly Atkins. Hello. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. Very Good. well. I don't think it. I don't know. That's interesting that you say that. Well, That's when I thinking yeah, when I wrote it earlier on, I, I put um, originally I put the partner, and I thought, oh no, hang on a minute. She's probably X because she's she's thrown all his stuff out. Mm. Well, you see, but that's because we had a bit of a chat about that. I think the the clear out is because she might be being evicted, so she's got to strip down her stuff because her and the kids might have to get out of the house. So obviously she's not best pleased with Martin Mucklow right now, yeah. but she's, you know, she's she's weathered quite a few incidents with that man, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not sure this one would count as the one that tipped her over the edge. I think, well, obviously that's one for Daisy and Charlie to decide. Yeah. But by by the end of the episode, and spoilers for anybody that hasn't watched it, and if you haven't watched it yet, shame on you for listening to a This Country <laughs> podcast if you haven't seen the special. Um but you and you and Daisy, you and um, Ke- uh, Kerry, have sort of aligned now, haven't you? You sort of you realise yeah. that that you've both been being played off over each other. Each other. Yeah, and I think there's probably um, more similarities between Sandra and Kerry than either of them had ever imagined was possible. Mm. And in a way, 
I think in a way, I think maybe Sandra is the only person that could understand Kerry and Kerry's the only person that could understand Sandra in regards to Martin Mucklow and, and what a deeply lovable man he is. <laughs> appearances. And do you, do you think um, there's a chance that more stuff could come out of the woodwork in series three about him? Do you think that's where they'll go? That's, I mean, I would love that if that was, if that was the case. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, I've just got, I, I kind of, I started out as a fan of the show before I imagined that I could possibly have a part in it. Um, so I, there's part of me as, as an audience member that's, that like everyone else is just desperate to see where it's going to go next. But then I now have a vested interest mm. and Sandra that I really want that to be. <laughs> <laughs> but you will have to wait and see what happens. But just by the natural continuation of the way that it's, that they finished where you have got Sandra and Kerry have now got a bit of a relationship because of her half brothers. It's yeah. going to be really interesting when um, Martin comes back, how the dynamic, yeah. whether they both, both women fall back into their doting over him. And like, he's a, he's this like, just, well, he's very manipulative, isn't he? He's yeah. going to, yeah. It's going to be interesting whether they team up. Yeah. Go on. Sorry. Whether he manages to hold them apart again. Yeah. He's very effectively done for a decade, held these two women apart, and whether they manage to get close enough or form enough of a relationship where it's not possible for him to do that. Um, again, we'll have to wait and see. It's going to be fascinating. What a shit <laughs> What an absolute shit house. He is indeed. <laughs> so, Holly, when did you sort of first get involved then with this special, with the aftermath? Really late in the day. Um really late in the day so I think it was the week maybe two weeks before filming started I got um a call from my agent saying that this country were casting which which was I was really unexpected because it's such a small cast in the show you just it, I didn't imagine it would be something you could even audition for and because I knew that obviously there are relatives within the cast and I sort of assumed it wasn't the sort of part, any parts and it wouldn't really go out to people they didn't know to audition for. Um, so I got a call saying, will you put yourself on tape? And it was just a tiny snippet of a monologue about Martin um, and to film that. So my boyfriend filmed me in the garden doing that and I worked really hard on trying to trying to get the accent as close as I could and then I got a call saying can you come in next week can you come and meet everyone and so I think they've made a short list uh, so the following week on the Monday and I just had a baby so we sort of and it was the summer holidays so we all went my five-year-old my baby my boyfriend and I we all went up to London um and went to the audition and Daisy was there and Charlie was there and Tom and Simon were there and the casting director was there um and I had a really lovely meeting and sort of you know fell in love with them all even more than I was already in love with them um and then I found out really quickly because on the Wednesday we were then in the car coming up to North Leach for a rehearsal day and then started filming the following week. Wow. Had you ever been up this way before? Yeah. Um, yes, I really, really like the Cotswolds. My uh, ex, uh, in fact, a really good friend of his, 
grew up in Stow on the Wold and still had a little house there not far from, is it a big Tesco's that's just on that main mm. road going into Stow on the Wold, just down from there, a yeah, little yeah, house. Yeah. I used to go and stay there sometimes. So I was sort of familiar with, I'd never been to Northleach, but I'd spent some time in Stow on the Wold and in Burton and Borton on the Water, Morton in the Marsh, sort of those villages mm-hmm. feel like I, I know quite well and I know Oxfordshire a bit which isn't far away and so it, and I live in a bit of East Sussex which, which looks a tiny bit like the Cotswolds it's not that same honey coloured stone but everything's on the same sort of scale I live in Lewis which is you know little and higgledy-piggledy in the mm. way that the Cotswolds is um so I was really excited. So it was, you know, it was a double whammy joy, really. It was an opportunity to be in a programme that I love in a beautiful place. And I did have a couple of days off in the middle. Um, so we also had a bit of a holiday. So Lovely. Was, it's the perfect job all round. <laughs> so, oh, go on. I was going to say, you said earlier on that you were a fan before you got the part. Did you watch, since you got the part, have you watched the show like from the start again? And, and do you watch it in a different way now? Now that you're uh, a part of it? I, I'd i seen the show and loved it. And then as soon as I heard that I had an audition for it, I watched both series back to back like two or three times during that audition process. I think I watched it all through once before I, again, before I put myself on tape the first time. And then when I knew that I was going up to London, I kind of binge watched it. Like every day I was watching three or four episodes, partly because I wanted to, to try and get the accent as close as possible and because they put a, a note on the um, on the email that I got with the script that I was going to be auditioning with it was like in it I, I in my in my memory it was in capital letters in bold I'm sure it wasn't but in my memory <laughs> it was in bold capital letters going do not attempt the accent unless you're really confident we do not want any Bristol accents in here oh, oh really we don't want Bristol so if you can't do the accent don't do it do it in your natural accent um, but because it seemed really clear to me that Sandra really had to be from that area, she couldn't be from outside the area because we know that her mum and her sister are probably local from that horrible story Martin <laughs> tells in the park. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. um, so it just didn't make sense to me that she was from anywhere else. And my family are all from, or most of my family are from Sussex. So there is a little bit of, um, in an old fashioned Sussex accent, there is a bit of a burr. So that felt comfortable, but there are some differences with the Cotswolds. So I had to work quite hard on that. And now when I watch it back, I'm actually like, yeah, if if I'm lucky enough to be in series three, I will, I will work harder. I promise. I mean, the the thing is, the one thing about Sandra is she was one of those characters from the first two series that there was a lot of stuff that we knew about her before actually seeing Mm. her. And that's one thing that I think is very clever that they do. We know we, we uh, did our breakdown of the episode, which will be next, well, when, uh, an, uh, an episode that when this goes out would have already gone out. It would be very yeah. confusing, sorry. <laughs> um, uh, but we were saying about how the fact that they, they love popping these little names of characters in, like like the very first episode when uh, Kerry sees Martin pushing the, the kids. Yeah. Um, and they thought oh, they mentioned Sandra. I think, oh, who's that? Who's that? Uh, and the vicar did it in the special when she ma- when he mentioned Polly. Mm. Yes. Now yes, we're, no, we've all said we're assuming that that's his wife. wife. Yeah. I, but I don't. I, find out in series three, hey. Well, we you sort of hope so, but they they, 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 they put this little groundwork in that then you think they're going to pop in these extra characters, and so for someone like yourself again, 
like you say, you, you want you have to be back for episode for series three. It doesn't make any sense to. Well, it wouldn't make any sense if it wasn't, was it? If if Martin's going to be there, then yeah. I'm sure you're going to be there. They'd still be inside. I mean, how how quick are they going to let him out? Well, if you, I mean, not that I'm, we're experts, we're not lawyers, or we've never been in prison, but if you get two years, it's normally out in six months, isn't it? Normally, yeah, it's half. Like, it's usually normal. half, isn't it? You I have to... no basis on <laughs> factor for that <laughs> at all. All that money I spent on you at <laughs> Lord <laughs> College. <laughs> so, Holly, when you, you're talking about accents then, you said that obviously the difference between Cotswold and Bristol. How did you learn to differentiate between the two? Uh, well, in, what was your go-to point? Yes, that I have managed to learn to do that. I'm not sure that's established. Yeah. <laughs> um, just listen, just listen and listen and listen, and then uh, then listen and so I'd what I'd watch an episode and talk along with, well, particularly with Daisy, uh, and just listen and then say what she said and try and get it as close as as possible and then mark up the script and just really really try and hear it and I'm frustrated with myself when I watch it back that there's an interview I, I there's a talking head I do to camera and I and I say thing instead of fin fin and I put the ing on which isn't accurate and every time I watch it I'm like oh <laughs> didn't get it on that one do you find uh, accents easy then to come across you know I, I really love I really love them and I don't I really very rarely do anything in my natural accent. Most of I've done a lot of telly. I've done Yorkshire and Manchester. I've done proper East End. And, I, you know, I grew up mainly in uh, South London um, and I've lived in Sussex and I've lived a, I lived a, for a little while in Edinburgh. I've lived in Manchester. So I've sort of lived in lots of different places. And I find accents fascinating that we live in such a small country and yet just... 10 miles apart people sound completely different so it's something that I've always really enjoyed doing um yeah and I think and I you know I'm a character actor and I I learned that lesson very very young that that was my thing is is character parts and if I couldn't do accents I would never work so is it easy to to not we're not going to get you to do party tricks or anything but is it easy to just go (laughs) uh, like do 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 an east end accent or, or do you need to sort of have keywords or a half an hour to get yourself always, always have keywords it's easy to rough out i could rough out like from cold i can rough out most accents but it won't be accurate to you know even if it's an accent i've done before if i ha- if i'm not working on it right now if i was to do it for you it wouldn't be totally accurate right to get the detail of it you then have to sit down and just spend some time listening but but for example like if I'm doing it for a Welsh accent and again like this would just be really roughed out for me for a for a Welsh accent you there are words like ambulance and ridiculous that really help getting so you go I'm absolutely ridiculous you're gonna have to call me an ambulance <laughs> <laughs> well, those are the words that help get into that accent um, but then you have to work a bit hard. It's a bit like um, I've heard impressionists talk about how they do impressions of people and that you get the rhythm of their, of how someone speaks first and you get the sort of tone of it and then work harder and harder to get the absolute detail just right. Mm. That just takes time and, and some focus. What's your favourite accent to do? Oh, that's a really hard one. Welsh is very satisfying because... Because they um, pronounce every syllable, right? So it's quite quite nice to do. Um, and 
uh, oh, I don't know. You put me on the spot now. New Sorry. York's really hard. New York's really, really hard. Um, but but on the odd occasion when I've really worked on something to get New York right, it's really satisfying if you can hit it. Cotswolds is lovely. Yeah. Cotswolds is a really lovely accent to do. And it gives you, t- well, the choices that I made with Sandra is she talks quite slowly, so there's sort of time to enjoy the sounds. And I like those. Lots of accents have a bit of what I think of as London in them but then have their own vowel sounds like Cotswolds. So there's sounds to, that feel to me like London sounds, like you say, nothing, nothing. But the, there's a bit of a, a burring in there. There's a bit of a, a country vowel, but then it's but it's nothing. Like a, a Londoner would say, no, nothing. And it's just a slight slide on that. So that's, you know, I get my kicks in that sort of... It's yeah. a bit like... I, it's a sort of techie thing in a way. Yeah, yeah. So you said about New York. Now, yeah. If if somebody came up and said to you, do an American accent, America is obviously a lot like the UK or any other place yeah. where there's different dialects and different... With something that's like general American, which would be the equivalent of me talking to you in RP like this. Right. So the theory is that you can do a kind of general American where you talk about mirrors and aluminum and that's the kind of general sound but then if you wanted to to make it somewhere specific you need to listen to someone from that specific right so the stereotype of if someone in in new york would would be someone who's gone taxi um (laughs) and it's it's all there you know um and so yeah that's it on that one. Wow. So when you were then, you said you went to North Leach to do your rehearsals. Was it straight away in full accents and everything when you were doing the rehearsals? Yes. Well, I got myself in a bit of a, <laughs> got myself in a bit of a pickle with the accent because I was so determined. Because I'm a big fan of the show, and I thought, you know, if I watch a show that's set in London, I've, I, a lot of the time, I can tell if the actors aren't from London. And I don't like it. You know, I like I like people to try really hard with my native accent. And so if I was from the Cotswolds, I would really want someone to be working really hard on the accent. So and I really, really, really wanted the part. So I auditioned in the accent and then I kept the accent up in the chat that we had afterwards. I sort of half let it go. And and, and then and we were really getting on and having a lovely chat. And then I can't remember Daisy or Charlie or someone said, God, your accent's very similar, isn't it? And I said, yeah, <laughs> it's Sussex. That's the Sussex burr. That's the, that probably people. Yeah, <laughs> I do sound a bit West Country, mm-hmm. I said. And then I realised that because I didn't drop the accent then, that I couldn't really... I couldn't, and because I'm a you know an actor, and we're all riddled with insecurity. I was like, I can't drop it before I start filming, because what if I drop it and then they go, well, no, we don't want you to do it now. Yeah. So then we started filming, and then between shots, I'm still doing the accent, and I wanted to get it right, so I sustained it. So my partner had to put up with me doing a, an accent that isn't my normal voice, and my son, and I basically did the accent for two weeks, <laughs> and then I didn't drop it until after my final after my final shot and as we walked back to set I was talking to Simon um on uh, the producer on on the walk back to to get in the cars to go back to unit base and I went okay I'm now I'm going to talk to you now in my in my natural voice and he sort of I don't think he was that surprised to be honest no 
Um, and it's not, you know, it's not like I'm doing a particularly strong accent in it. But for me, I was like, OK, mm. uh, it felt quite. Yeah. So I'm not at all a method actor, but I, it turns out I am with accents. Oh, well, that is like Daniel Day-Lewis level style of uh, keeping yeah. up with the, you know, I mean, I'm surprised that you didn't just live in the house with like two other kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, that is the first, I think, only and probably last time my name and Daniel Day-Lewis's name will be <laughs> mentioned in the same sentence, Pablo. So I thank you for that. That's, that's no problem at all. You can have that as a quote, you know, on, <laughs> on your resume. <laughs> <laughs> so as a fan, you yeah. had the you had the, the, the heads up over everybody because you could find out what happened after the, you know, the end of series two. How was that? When you got the script, I take it you got the script, the whole script or do you just get the script for the bits of that you were in? Uh, only got the script for the bits I was in while I was auditioning. But then once I got the part, I got the script for the whole episode. So how, exci- then- how excited were you then when you got that script? Cause you get to know what happened. Yeah. I mean, ridiculously excited and also just laughing a lot you know mm. laugh is just uh, obviously is hilarious I think when you watch it on the telly obviously but it's also hilarious on the page you know they are brilliant 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 writers and there's stuff that is just just glorious glorious to look at on the page and and so it was just a joy really it was a joy to see it written down and how it worked as a script and, and and seeing it written down, just seeing how beautifully constructed it all is and how well thought out. And also just a real privilege to watch the process of, of how they rewrite some bits and restructure some bits as a result of rehearsal or as a result of what happens um, while filming's happening and how none of them are, um, you know, nobody's precious about it. There can be some stuff that is absolutely gold, really, really funny, but for whatever reason, they'll think, do you know what, this this doesn't work. And nobody's precious about it. They're really happy to let it go because I think there's a real confidence that whatever replaces it will be just as funny. And of course it is mm. just as funny. Um, and that's a that felt like a real privilege to be be able to watch that process happen. And, 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 what, I, yeah, and what's it like working with Paul Shahidi? Um, well, he's just lovely. And I knew I'd never met him before, but I know quite a lot of people who know him and I know quite a lot of people who've worked with him. So before I worked with him, all everybody says the same thing. You go, oh, I'm going to be working with Paul Tahiti. And I'm going, he's so lovely. <laughs> so lovely. Uh. Um, and of course he is. And he's so welcoming. And I shot my first scene was with him in his office. and. On set, he was just a big, warm, smiley, lovely, welcoming person. And we ran the scene a few times before we went to set. And then we got to set and he's just so reassuring and, you know, gives you a metaphorical pink wafer before he gets <laughs> a real pink wafer. Just <laughs> lovely, lovely man. And, you know, silly. Yeah. Good. How, how many times did it take you to film the the scene where you're talking about Babe Station and the and the the screwed up tissues? Because I can imagine that it, that that was that your first scene then. Yeah, I think that was. I'm trying God. to think whether that was the very first thing we filmed. It, if if it wasn't the very first, it was certainly up, you know very early on my first day that we did that. I don't just 
it's a funny thing that happens where it's a bit like sitting on a seesaw where you just think I can't like the funnier I think the line is the more po-faced I have to be and I sort of and that becomes quite fun it's a bit like um a bit like leaning out on a you know, like what are they called? Those people when they're sailing and they weight the boat by pulling out on a right. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know what they're called, but I, I I'm so articulate, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> when you, yeah. you just lean out against something, right? And so, it, so it's it's a sort of interesting feeling, and it's really fun that a line like that, where you just go, "Well, that's just made me laugh out loud," reading it quietly in my head to myself. But it's my job to just not not find. Obviously, someone's just not finding this funny. No. Um, so it's a sort of magical it's a, it's a magical feeling when you're allowed to say something that's really funny mm. but are you, are you are, you're obviously laughing inside aren't you you're just trying not to not to show it on your face you're not, you're not laughing inside you can't laugh inside you have to, <laughs> instead you have to sort of lean out against it you have to pull in the opposite direction right and in- and enjoy the feeling of that pulling against mm. so obviously you know it's funny you know you're pulling against it um, I'm really not explaining this very well. No, I understand what you... Cause, cause, I mean, I suppose that's what being an actor is, bit, isn't it? I mean, like, we've all done it, I suppose. It's only the same as if you're getting told off when you're a kid and you can't laugh. And sometimes you do laugh as a kid and you get in horrible trouble. But there are other times when you manage not to laugh because you manage to find some way of managing it inside you. Mm. That the funnier it is, the less you, the less you laugh. Was the rehearsal times, did you manage to get a lot of the laughter out then? Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of thing in rehearsal and a lot of really useful, for me anyway, to, you know, as the person who was new and even though the, the even though I was lucky enough to have lots of information about Sandra from the first two series, there was still a lot for me to find, whereas obviously everybody else is a completely rounded and I needed to, you know, needed to find out some other stuff um, so that I could try and inhabit Sandra as fully as possible. So the rehearsal was really, really useful for that. And a lot of the impro we did at my audition was Tom asking me about the detail of my day-to-day life with Martin and what kind of a partner he is and just thinking through all of that stuff. And then the day's rehearsal was a bit more of that and then I had a lovely tour of Northleach. Everyone gave me a walking tour of Northleach, which was really, really, really fun. Um, and then we did a little bit of scene work, but not very much, because um, I think it, there's, they, you know, it's important to keep a lot of that stuff fresh and live so it doesn't become over-rehearsed. Right. So is there anything you can tell us about your day-to-day life with Martin? <laughs> 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 One of the things that, one of the little details, I don't, it's funny what you remember, is that, um, you know, he absolutely does n- nothing around the house, which I'm sure is not a surprise to anyone, apart from uh, he will occasionally do bath time with the boys because it's fun. Uh, but after bath time with the boys, it probably take me, you know, an hour to clear that up because there'll be wet towels just everywhere and it'll be total chaos. And... He's not, I just not at home very much in the evenings because he's got this, you know, stuff that he does. Um, and if he is in, the only thing he'll, you know, if we're watching telly together, we always have to watch what he wants to watch, which will generally be some sort of action based thing. I, uh, Sandra quite likes watching Friends. That's Sandra's. Oh, right. 
runs of friends is absolutely Sandra's favorite thing right um, he wouldn't he wouldn't watch that with her no see look we're getting all yeah, this juicy stuff <laughs> you see behind the behind closed doors so, so uh, I was going to say, as uh, as Sandra, then if or or when Martin comes back, do you think that she would take him back? Yeah, I do. You do? Yeah, yeah I do. Wow. Do you think or she'd we... turn back against Kerry then? Oh, I don't know. That's a big question. It would just. De- I guess it would depend on. It, it would totally depend on um, where her and Kerry have got to between them. Mm. Um, it's interesting Tom Tom has I've heard Tom say a couple of times in interview and and he's absolutely right you know uh, everybody in this country plays something very close to themselves in a couple at least a couple of ways and I was thinking God is that true of of me because on the surface there are lots of ways in which I'm quite different to Sandra but actually when I think about it I am quite similar to her, or I definitely have been. I absolutely understand where that mindset comes from. I had a boyfriend in my mid-twenties who I'd moved back in with my mum because I'd not been long out of drama school and I didn't, you know, I had a bit of, wasn't making heaps of money. So um, I lived with my mum for a bit and he moved in with me and my mum and I loved him. I mean, I love, love, I loved him. And he was very, you know, he had cheekbones and he was, you know, loved Tom Jones for some reason. He was lovely, lovely, charming. But he left me, but didn't really ever, didn't tell me that we were breaking up. He went and did a job in Budapest for an English speaking theatre in, in Budapest. He did that job. And then he told me when he was coming back and I bought him tickets to see Tom Jones and I'd, uh, you know, got all the Christmas stuff and he still had loads of stuff at our house. And then he didn't come back. Oh, my God. And his best mate rang and said, oh, he's, he didn't get on the flight. And I was like, oh, do you, do you want the tickets for Tom Jones? So I gave the tickets to his best mate. <laughs> but I still sort of thought he was still my boyfriend and he was coming back. And my friends were all going mad with me. Just stop deluding yourself, you silly moo. He's gone <laughs> and he is never coming back. He does not love you. But I couldn't accept it you know I believed that he did that he loved me still and it took about six months before I thought well maybe maybe I should get his stuff like he had all his stuff under my bed maybe I should return that to his family yeah (laughs) and there was a roll of film under the bed and I had it developed and it was lots of pictures with him with a beautiful Hungarian girl with his arm around his shoulders and it took that for me to finally hit a place where I go oh Oh, he's not coming back. Mm. Which everyone else mm. realised hundred gazillion years before. But I was very willing to forgive him because you know he had the cheekbones and he was funny. <laughs> Another shit house, though. Another what, what, sh- what a shit house! Yeah. And it was interesting. We did talk about that. I don't remember having a long chat uh, about that about how the relationship would have would have begun and 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 thinking that it was probably in the keepers um, that I met him and he would have been really funny and really charming and probably really pursued Sandra until she put out and then mm. or until they moved in together and then it would probably all changed well after finding out about what he did um to pull my finger um <laughs> which is a weird thing to say yeah. sometimes that <laughs> I, I just I wonder whether Sandra was with somebody and he found that as the challenge that he wanted to 
to get yeah. Sandra away from that person. And then once, like you say, the deed is done, if you like, he just loses interest. He likes the chase. Mm. Yeah. So how long... Oh, sorry, Holly, carry on. No, no, go on. I was just going to say from there, um, how long were you actually filming for then? Um, I was in... I was in the Cotswolds for a week, but I was only in two or three days during that time, and then I had a couple of days off in the middle. So mm. it was quite short. short yeah. Lovely. Right, we're going to play a little game. Oh, uh, we're going to play Kerry or Curtain, OK? As a, <laughs> and as a fan, now, these should be easy for you. OK, I'm going to give you a line of dialogue. You have to tell me whether it was Kerry or Curtain that said it. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Where's my bell? I got my bell. Is it just from the aftermath, or is it from? Everything? No, this is from. This will be from any episode in all the series. And are so, you going to tell me if I'm right or not? Of course, I'll tell you. Yes. Okay. <laughs> here's here's the first one. I've always seen them banners above a motorway, and I always thought, who the fuck does them? Curtain. Correct. Yay. One out of one. Number two. Oh look, he goes to so much effort to try and prank me. Kerry, but I can't picture when it was said. Is that your answer? Kerry's my answer. It's correct. <laughs> she says it. It's, it's very, very, like, you have to listen to it. It's when she thinks that the postman is pranking her by oh, walking away. Yeah, right, yeah. He just oh, sort of, she just sort of says it under her breath. But well done. That's two out of two. Number three. I reckon he's selling loads. Man, I was, I don't know when that was said, but I reckon it's Curtain. It was Kerry. Oh! Outside the house uh, for Eternal Vitality when Curtain was inside playing. Oh, yeah, playing, yeah. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Dragons, yeah. It, it, yeah, Warhammer. Oh, yeah, Warhammer. Dungeons and Dragons. Same sort of thing, oh, isn't it? You'll get your balls chopped off if you say that. Anyway, sorry. Uh, number four. Uh, that's all I wanted. See you later. Curtain. That is curtain. Well done. Uh, and number five. So this will be for four out of five if you get this one right. That's not usually me. Normally I'm beating those kind of kids up. Curtain. Well done. Very good. Just the one you got wrong. An honourable score. That's very, very good. I'm gutted. I'm gutted. <laughs> I got one wrong, frankly. <laughs> That's very good. That is very, very good. Um, so, Series 1 or Series 2, which is your favourite as a fan? Oh, it's too hard. I I think, like, I've got two favourite episodes, and one is from Series 1 and one is from Series 2. So my favourite episode in Series 1 is Oven Space. Okay. And uh, Minor Injuries is my favourite episode in Series 2 for similar reasons, because they're both in quite restricted spaces. Mm. And and it's just the two of them while sort of nothing happens while they're waiting for something. Yeah. And just the detail is extraordinary. So it's too... I'm afraid that's too hard as a question. That's fair enough. That's a good, mm. that's a good answer. I love the part in Minor Injuries when it's... Focusing on carrying curtain, but the vicar is doing his nut outside oh, with the traffic warden. I just love that you can't hear what he's saying, but his arms are going up and down, yeah, and he's—you've never seen him move that. like that. It's fantastic. <laughs> 
my absolute favourite moment in that episode is when, for the third time, Kerry is saying that her break, you know, that her leg is busted like a breadstick, or what she says about it. And it's the third time that Curtin has had to listen to it, and you know that he just wants to kill it, and he he doesn't know what to do with himself, so he just stands up and just walks off a bit, mm. and I it just sums up that kind of close family relationship. So it's so well observed. And I know I do that. And I know I repeat myself and wind members of my family up like that. And other members of my family wind me up like that. Just that I'm going to absolutely, if you say that phrase one more time, (laughs) watching him sort of implode with that is such a beautiful, such a beautiful moment. Totally brilliant. And then the way that big Mandy totally pranks him, is That's too great. Yeah. useful. Yeah, absolutely. So, Holly, what have you got coming up then, soon? Uh, well, I'm available for weddings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Who knows? You know, what is um, what is so lovely is that it all turns on a sixpence. You know, it's a really mm. fast-moving profession in that one week it looks like you're never going to work again and then half an hour later you get a phone call saying actually can you get ready to go in for this thing um so who knows i've I've got a six month old baby so i'm not uh able to do theater at the moment i don't want to do um theater like a big tour but i could probably do something that was in london or in the southeast and telly um i can do much more easily so we'll just wait and see wait and see what happens yeah wonderful and Again, as a fan and also as somebody that is now involved in it, what would you like to see happen in Series 3? Um, well, I mean, it's it's weird, isn't it? Because I think, obviously, there's part of me that I just want, I just want Kerry and Curtin to find their happiness, but then there'd be no show. Mm. So you sort of can't want them to get what you want for them as characters, because then there wouldn't be a brilliant show to watch, which would be a horrible shame. Yeah. So what? it's a really hard question to ask. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, likewise, if Martin Mucklow comes out a reformed character, you don't want it. You don't want him to no. be reformed. I don't think so. But it's also like the, 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 the show at this point now, I think Kerry and Curtin are probably both at the happiest that they've been. In all the time, you know, Curtin has has got a shift at the at the bowls club, and was so happy about about that. And Kerry has now got two half brothers that she seems to like really enjoy mm. spending time with. Um, we don't want them to get any happier than that. No, but that's that's true. I think that's true because, like you say, it, it ruins the dynamics of the whole show. Sort of need it all to go wrong again. <laughs> yes. Even though that's heartbreaking, because as a person, you want them to be. Happy, you know, but it's like I wanted Kerry to get all the birthday presents for her dad to turn out to be lovely to her, for there to be a surprise party, for them not to miss the steam fair. But actually, that would have been a much less enjoyable mm. so to watch. Yeah. I, I don't think they're going to be happy for long because I think Martin Wait, will be back. Wait, when he comes back. out, it's going to cause unrest, yeah, isn't it? it's going to be carnage. 
<laughs> absolute carnage. Um, it's funny carnage. That's all that matters. That is all that matters. Thank you, Holly. Thank you so much for spending some time Holly, with us. It's been brilliant. Oh well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a great privilege. Oh no, the privilege has been ours to have <laughs> Daniel Day, the, the female Daniel Day Lewis, <laughs> yeah, to chat to us all about it, <laughs> about everything that we need to know about whatever. I mean, any time we're stuck for an accent, now we know straight away who to come and speak to. Obviously. Don't, <laughs> yeah. don't check any of those accents with anyone who actually has them, though, will you? Promise. I don't know. The Welsh one was really good. Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. You know? Just, yeah. don't, just don't, don't run it by any Welsh people, OK? <laughs> okay. We all maintain that idea. We, won't, we will do that. Thank you ever so much, Holly. Um, we've got a little bit of housekeeping to do, Neil. We like certainly to... have. You can catch us on all the social media sites like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, under WTAF. You can this eat... country. Sorry, it's WTF, this country. Okay. Sorry. That's all right. And, uh, <laughs> you can email us at WTAFthiscountry at hotmail.com. We're on Patreon with loads of different rewards for a minuscule amount of money. Indeed. Every little penny helps, as a certain superstore So that'll says. be under patreon.com forward slash WTAF. Well done. There you are. Yeah, and all the information you can find on our website, which is WTAFpodcast.com. I think that's it. That is. That's it. We'll let this lovely lady go. Thank you very much, Holly. It's been a blast. Thank you ever so much, Holly. We will see you hopefully again. And and I'm sure you'll be in Series 3. If you are, then please come to our little studio and we'll uh, have another little chat. That'd be wonderful to speak to you. That'd be really fun. That'd be awesome. Thank you very much, Holly. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you very much, Pam. And go and get plum, you fuckers. (laughs) Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil. We're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Phenomenal. That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, pick a subject, then bring our own Top 10s to the pod. Yes. It could be Top 10 scary movies, Top 10 swear words, Top 10 breakfast foods, anything. Oh, you saucy devil. Indeed, Neil. Our first episode will be online very soon, so subscribe on all your usual podcast platforms so you don't miss it. Yes. The Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's begin the countdown. Phenomenal.